The call to worship is taken from Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 8, and is found uh, in the Pew Bible on page 614. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the, the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw, to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Today's New Testament reading will be from Colossians 3, 13 to 17, page 1090 in your pew Bible. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Today's gospel reading will be found on page 915 to 916, or in Matthew, Matthew 25, for, verses 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on, on a journey who called his servants and even trusted his wealth to, to them. No one, no one he gave five bags of gold to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. That he went on his journey. The man who received, who had received five bags of gold, went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also did, so also the one with two bags of gold gained more, two more. But then the man who had received one bag went went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid the master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with your five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful and with, and with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then, then the man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you... You entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a, th with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share my master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, 
I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathered where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. So here is what belongs to you, his master replied. You wicked, lazy servant, you knew, so you knew that I harvest where I have not, not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I return, I will have received it back with interest. Take the bag of gold from, from him and give it to one, to one who has the ten bags. For those who have, who, who have will be given more, and they will have an abundance, as though for you do not, not have. Even, even what they have will be taken from them and thrown the wor worthless servants outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thank you, Diane, Beverly. That was beautifully done. And if you know the words to that hymn, they're profound as well. In the parable of Jesus that we just heard, and in others, we could sense a harshness if we looked. Here's the parable of bags of gold, five given to one, two another, and one a third. We're struck immediately, perhaps, by the inequity of the distribution. Then if we are acquainted with the story and go back to the King James Version, we have a different connection altogether. Bags of gold were translated talents. So you have five talents of gold, two talents of gold. And talents translates very nicely into a contemporary idea. That is to say, that which we're naturally gifted with, that which we can do. And at that level, it all makes more sense because we do know some of us have multiple talents, some of us have several talents, and some of us have something we do very well strong at, an aptitude that we can really go with. And so then it is not a question of distribution, it's a question or fairness, it's a question of what do we do with it. But that particular parable doesn't stand alone. There are other parables that speak of judgment, that speak of industry and laziness, that speak of a servant's diligence in relationship to the job that they're given to do in time, and other stories in Scripture that illustrate the same. And so it's not hard out of this sort of biblical grounding and these kinds of parables and stories to understand the development of the Protestant work ethic, whereby industry and production are the measure of all things. From morning until night... We're pursuing something productive. And so if you come from that tradition, if you come from a tradition where there are lots of sayings like, he who works eats, any of you come from that tradition? Early bird gets the first worm. There are dozens and dozens of these sayings in relationship to time and industry and the way in which we conduct ourselves. But what they've done for many of us is make us either guilty about doing anything but working or workaholics who work all the time. 
When we think about time, today we're going to think about balance just a little bit. But before I get too far into that, I want to remind you, or those of you who were here last week of what we talked about, and those of you who weren't, I just want to reference really quickly. The title of the sermon was Eternity, It's About Time. It is available on our website if you want to go back and look at it, streamed through um, Ustream, I think it is. And it, sometimes the motions that I make don't line up to the words, but that's okay. You can hear an audio-only version of it as well. We talked last week about time and eternity and the way in which Ecclesiastes says God has put eternity into the hearts of men and women. We relate to time as if we had no end of it, and yet it's the one non-renewable resource that's constantly self-expending. I don't have any choice about the march of time. There are a couple stories about time we, we did not touch on last week that are significant and interesting. One is found, um, well, they're both Old Testament stories. One is the story of Joshua. You recall that he is in battle and he is winning mightily and he seeks the Lord and says, will you not hold the sun in its place that we might continue to gain victory? Well, uh, that prayer is answered. You can find the story in Joshua 10. That story is answered and according to the scriptures, there's a lost day, about a day. The sun is held in its spot, and Joshua is able to carry out a complete victory the Lord had given him. That's a story about time. It's a story about an urgent need for something to carry forward. It's a story that, that speaks of God's dominion. It's a story that speaks of his gift to Israel in this case. It's a story that speaks of all kinds of things. I'm not going to get into the science or lack thereof it or the miraculous or the lack. I'm not going to get into those pieces today. I just know the story is recorded. The sun stands still and Joshua wins. The Lord saves, wins. The battle is Israel's. The victory is theirs. The day lasts what seems to be a whole extra day. It's a miracle. But it speaks to time. The other story that speaks to time that's uh, poignant in Scripture is the story of Hezekiah, king of Israel. I don't know how many of you remember six weeks ago or so, seven weeks ago or so, I was asking for prayer for my son because he had a boil of sorts, a sore on his knee that had become infected. And the infection was swelling up his knee and spreading rapidly through his leg. We could see the redness going up his leg and down his leg toward his foot. Don't know if it was started by a spider bite or a scratch or whether he just had some sort of boil or pimple that the infection spread. I don't know what it was. But if we read, Hezekiah had a boil that was taking over his body. The infection was spreading. And when he went to see the priest and the prophet, he was told this was it, time to die. And he wept bitterly before the Lord and entreated the Lord. He reminded the Lord of all that he had done and all the ways in which he had restored the worship of God to the house of Israel. 
And he asked the Lord for more time. And the word of the Lord came to Hezekiah that he would indeed be given 15 more years. He went on to do some foolish things. He was the king, of course, that showed the Babylonians all of the treasure of Israel, which they promptly came and relieved Israel of. But he had entreated God, he had brought back the worship of God, and he had sought time. You've seen shows, you've seen what-ifs, you've asked yourself the question, two questions probably. One, what if I won the lottery? Powerball, $400 million, what would you be doing? Would you be here right now? I'm going to say you'd be here paying your tithe on $400 million right now. What a happy day for the Santa Clarita Church. God has blessed you and you're blessing the church back. Maybe a double tithe. Why not? Terrific and good for you. As fun as it is to have that conversation, we also ask ourselves the question, what if I learned from my doctor today that I had a week to live or a day or a month or a year? Have any of you asked that question of yourself? How would you choose to spend this time? If you knew today was your last day on earth or you had a week to live or a year to how would you structure your life? How would you spend your time? See, Hezekiah was looking death in the face and he wasn't ready. He couldn't, he couldn't fathom how to structure what time he had left. He could only embrace the bitterness of the news. And he was blessed to get 15 more years and to be healed, as it turns out, by a poultice of figs. We didn't try that, but it seemed to have helped Hezekiah. So as we move forward through that idea that time is somehow both limited and very precious, that we structure it according to our values, that we are, most of us, exposed to a variety of texts that would tell us to be diligent and not wasteful of time, that everything counts, we would also want to recognize that somewhere in there, there's a balance. You see, it's, there's an equally important saying that says, all work and no play makes Jack a what? Dull boy. And playing is what we've all forgotten to do. How many of you play every day? I don't see one single hand. Oh, a couple of kids. Good you got to play every day. I don't even do it. I'll be the first to admit. I walk. I try to walk. I try to do different. You know, I eat every day. That's one thing I do do. <laughs> I'm very faithful about that. So are you, most of you, I know. But um, I, playing every day, I don't get it in. And yet it keeps the mind sharp. It helps us to remember eye-hand coordination Body movement, balance, it keeps us young, well into our old age. All kinds of activities we can do well into our 70s, 80s, and 90s. I think Alex was telling me he gave up backpacking in his 70s. He had a fall and decided it was probably time to sell his camping gear. We can do lots of things well into late in life and keep ourselves healthy mentally, physically, in lots of ways if we'll do it. But it somehow seems like a waste of time to play. There are so many things we know we need to make time for, and yet finding that balance is so difficult. Worse, 
We've all read books, seen seminars, gone to churches and heard sermons on how to find a balance. So I'm not going to try to spend too much time there today. You know what you've got to do. Everybody has 24 hours. The human body does not function well on less than six hours of sleep under any circumstances, no matter who you are. You need somewhere between six and a half and eight. Some people need a little more. Some, very few, can get by with a little less. We need to eat, not too much, not too little, not too much of the wrong kinds of foods. We need to move and have activity. We need social lives, time with family, time with spouses and friends, time with community. We need to be productive and earn that living. We need to find a way to spend the time working and make that time work for us to produce and out of that production have a way to live. We need to take care of things. We don't own anything. They own us and we take care of them. Even our refrigerators will eventually break down. And, you know, it's not a one-hour window for a repairman. I'll tell you a story. This week, we went to upgrade our phone service and thought we were going to get a bump in DSL and all of that. They give you a window. Oh, the service tech will be there sometime between 1 and 4. When do you think the service tech always shows up? 4.05 or 4.10. Now, if you decide that you can't be there in that window and you don't get home at 1 o'clock, you get there at 1.07, you'll find a note on your door that says, I was here, you weren't, please reschedule. Uh, Do we know what we're talking about there? Oh, good, it's not just me. This is the universal law of service calls. So there you have it, a block, completely wasted, unless, of course, you can find other things to do in that time. We all have to maintain things, get estimates when our car gets bumped. We have to go to the mechanic and get the oil changed or change it ourselves. We have to do whatever it takes to maintain life. Cooking, it takes time. Men and women both know about that these days. Grocery stores, you're in a strange grocery store trying to figure out where the Parmesan cheese is in, in a warehouse that's the size of three football fields. Not easy. It takes time. You get home, you've got to prep things... Or it takes money. And you know what they say about money and time? Time is money. Money is, yeah. This is the problem with robbery, by the way. When you take, especially when old people are taken advantage of, when you rob somebody of their life savings, you've just robbed them of their lives. It's not just money. It's not just money. Money's time. And they gave time for that money. Well, let's turn in our Bibles to the text that was read right before our gospel reading, Colossians. There's one verse of that that I really want you to seek to understand and to remember as a way of balance. I could spend all day talking about how you might structure life to achieve balance, and in the end, I still haven't mastered it, and it might not make any difference. But this I will tell you, and it's straight from Scripture, so I think I'm safe there. Colossians 3, 17. Now let's start in 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart, 
Do you remember that motto we used to say as kids, keep a song in your heart? Was that Pathfinders? Yeah. Keep a song in your heart. Come straight out of this text. We sing a song in our hearts. Verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's it. This is the one text that I can give you that speaks of a perfectly balanced life. Whatever you do, wherever you go, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whoever you fellowship with, whatever you're doing, do everything you do to the glory of God and with a thankful heart. And this is the secret. This is the joy that we find in time and life and in Christ. You see, we are tempted to try to do everything. I feel sorry for parents raising children these days. Parents, can I just speak freely to you for a moment? School's harder than ever. You've got to get them up, get them going, get them to school, get them back from school. There's Homework, one hour to three hours a night, maybe more. But that's not enough, is it? You want them to have some sort of spiritual exposure, so you're trying to get them to church, maybe Sabbath school, hopefully Sabbath school. And then you realize that that's not enough either. They need to have music lessons, piano, violin, something, flute. Or they need to be in sports. Or maybe they need to be in multiple sports. Or maybe you have multiple children who need to be in multiple sports. Now where is time? More running, more doing. Now you've got to pick up somebody and drop off somebody and pick up somebody else. It just keeps going. There's special testing. There's tutoring that you've got to get to. There's that special add-on for drama this particular quarter that you want to run. We want our kids to be well-rounded. We want them to be magnificent. We want them to be good at everything. And we're running, 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 running. Not breathing, not rejoicing, not singing, running. I just want to assure you that your children will be fine if they are not great at everything. I know this because I know you are not great at everything. You're a talented group, good at so many things, but you will not likely succeed at making your child a whole lot more than you are. So give them what you can and trust the rest to eternity. I think Alex Bryan was on to something. What eternity does for us is give us the balance that we need in the present. Because if now is all we've got, if this is all we've got, then it's a scramble to win, to do the most, to have the most, to be the most, to go the most, whatever it is that you value, that's the scramble. This is what we want. I've got to get it all done. I've got to do everything. But if time touches eternity right now, and I have 
an eternity to be with God, an eternity to develop as a human being, an eternity to grow and rejoice and so forth, it might be okay for me to rest. It might be okay for me to trust. It might be okay for me to worship. It might be okay for me to stop. It might be okay for me to pursue one or two points of excellence and give the gift that I can that God has given me. It might be okay for me not to do everything. This, I think, is what God wants for us when we think about our relationship to time. He wants us to be faithful. It's obvious in Scripture. He wants us to be diligent and not wasteful. It's clear in Scripture. There is an accounting, an accountability that we'll all make. That's clear in Scripture. But wouldn't it be a bummer if you got to the end and judgment came because all you did was run and work? Isn't that a terrible thing to be judged for? You thought you were, you were productive, doing all the right sorts of things, but you never rested in Christ's rest. You never trusted. You never gave yourself space to process and deepen, develop. You never took time to pray or praise. You just went and did. We're creating a society of people with no attention spans. We flit and run from one thing to the next. We speed through life. I tell you, I don't recommend movies very often, but there's one called Click that's pretty compelling. The guy has a clicker that he can fast forward to those parts of life he doesn't want to have to deal with. Fighting with his wife hits the fast-forward button, and boom, he's done with the argument. How great would that be, guys? <laughs> done. <laughs> Difficulties at work, something going on, done. And he gets to the end of his life, and he realizes he's missed it. He's not been in it. He's not only missed the bad times, he's missed a lot of stuff that comes out of the bad times. He's missed a lot of growth, a lot of opportunity. He's less than the person he could be, and he's less than the person he should be. And we want to do this. We're, we, we're, you are conscientious folks. You're good people. You want to do the right thing, but some of you are racing through life. When you get to the end, what will you have? What will it mean? What will it be? Who will you know? Some of you waste a lot of time. That's a whole other issue, isn't it? What do we do to bump ourselves into a space that's a little more productive, a little more um, character building, something that grows our talents, something that invests, doesn't just sit, you see, there's something to that parable. Whatever you've got, you use it. 
and it grows. And if you're afraid to use it too much, at the very least, what can you do? Put it with the bankers and let them do something with it. I don't know if this is a social economic commentary or whether Jesus is just really helping us to kind of understand something about time. It's fleeting, irreplaceable, precious, and we each have 24 hours of it a day. And as your pastor, I just want to encourage you to find time to work, to play, and it's okay if recess is still your favorite subject. That's okay. It's okay. Let us bless God today by returning to Him our tithes and our offerings in gratitude for time, in gratitude for life, in gratitude for all of the gifts of provision He brings. Let's return our tithes and our offerings in recognition of what He's asked us to do out of faithfulness. Let us do it with joy because we can. We're here. We're able. The deacons will wait on you now.